Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Jackie, you're always here. Uh, yeah, I'm live on Facebook now. Look at that. Hi, Jackie. Nice to see you. Jackie, don't feel like you have to stay for the whole time, okay? Because <laughs> I do feel a bit sorry for you. I, you know, if you do want to go off and watch a bit of TV or something like that, perfectly reasonable. Maybe you do go off and come back. I don't know. Anyway, um, nice to see you all. Uh, I, yeah, we're, we're just going to assume it's all okay on Facebook. I have got this, I have got this uh, new microphone system, but I'm not going to I'm not going to let it get in the way. So I'm going to put it there. It's not in the way, is it? Is that is this big thing still in shot? Still in the shot. There you go. Right. Um, so I'm kicking straight off because I've reflected on these uh, Q and A's and I've looked back on them because I put them on this podcast. You know that as a podcast. Don't really advertise that, but I don't know how interesting the podcast will be because it's just the audio of these. Anyway, um, point is, I do find that there's quite a lot at the beginning before I start talking about anything relevant. So I'm going to start talking about something relevant right now. Um, and that relevant thing is this question. Joe is here and saying, hi. Hi, Joe. Nice to see you. Someone is on Facebook. That's what we want. Right. Um, <clears throat> so um, if you've got a question, feel free to post away, by the way. I am very open to um, questions on the hoof. But uh, in the absence of any um, questions, I will talk about what I've got here. And what I've got here is a question that says something like this. Does abdominoplasty include lifting slash removing excess fat slash skin of the mons pubis, or is this an additional procedure? <coughs> um, it does a bit, but um, if you've got an awful lot of excess skin slash fat of your mons pubis area it may be an excess procedure an additional procedure so it's something we'd have to talk about um pre-op and it's a good thing to point out pre-op because a lot of people don't realize they've got excess fullness on the mons pubic area um because the abdominal apron is in, sort of in the way and it's probably with probably mainly talking about people who've had significant weight loss like several stone in weight uh, being lost and so if you have had significant weight loss then um, your probably overriding concern is your abdominal apron but it's important for us as surgeons to have a look at the mons area to see if there is uh, excess skin and fat there because what sometimes happens is you get rid of that abdominal apron and the patients see this bulging mons the mons by the way is the area basically where your pubic hair is um, and they say, what have you done? Why, what, you know, what's all that? And uh, you're like, well, it was, you know, I haven't done anything to that because it was already there. So um, it's important to be aware, you know, if, you, if there is an issue there of that preoperatively. And also important to be aware of what we can do. So we can do stuff to that monzeri. We can do some liposuction to take some of the fat out of it, to take some of the heaviness out of it. And there is a limited amount of skin resection you can do of the mons. You wouldn't do a significant amount of skin resection to the mons area at the time of a tummy tuck because uh, any resection would be going south and that would make the scar pull up north. I don't know if that's it would make the scar drift up. So you don't really want to undermine too much south 
all you're undermining when you do a tummy tuck is north because you want to free up the skin on the north part so that it's mobile and it comes down to the south part so your scar ends up in the south in the bottom scar of a tummy tuck in the bottom a lip yeah tummy tucks and ellipse and the scar ends up in the in the in the sort of um in your underwear so you undermine north and nothing south and doing stuff to the mons would involve undermining south i'm sure there's some kind of model i could you know i'm trying to think of some analogy or model but i don't know if that's clear to you you have to be there you know to see that that, that top skin's very mobile and comes down and, and you want the bottom skin not to be mobile because if the bottom skin's mobile it will drift up and the scar will meet halfway so if you take an ellipse out of a tummy tuck and the scar meets halfway then you've got a scar across the, you know your abdomen which doesn't look good so yeah so answer is you can do some some uh, uh, um, removal of excess skin and fat of the mons area but if it's significant you might need another operation so-called monsplasty once everything's healed where you can then take away that totic skin and fat and the mons droopy totic's another word for droopy by the way uh ada says sweet evening sweet evening ada and um nice emoji thank you for that um uh, my be belly button is scared would it still be used for an abdominoplasty or a new one formed <clears throat> i think it's scarred actually um well it depends on how badly scarred the belly button is but the bottom line is if you we could make a new one uh it is possible to make a new one if there is a problem with your belly button but the bit of belly button that we use when we do a tummy tuck is just the bit inside the bit that goes in down into your abdominal wall we don't use any bit that's on the surface of the skin so it would depend where the scarring would be i'm assuming the scarring would come from a piercing is that a fair assumption um i don't know if that is where the scarring is from or if you've got scarring deep down inside your belly button if you have got scarring deep down inside your belly button then there would be a bit of a concern that maybe you wouldn't be able to the blood supply of that belly button might be compromised so you might not be able to um, uh, keep that belly button anyway so there was significant scarring around your belly button but uh difficult to answer that question on here to be honest with you because uh probably need to see it no photo unfortunately do like a photo um you know if you've got any photos that you don't mind sharing if you scarred belly button then i would be very happy to there's lots of hearts coming on instagram not quite sure what that signifies but it can't be a bad thing um so yeah so if you've got a scarred belly button have no fear you could have a new one made at the time of a tummy tuck and you might have to have a new one made at the time of a tummy tuck, time of a tummy tuck but if it's just scarring in the skin around the area you wouldn't need a new one you could keep the original one Will breast implants reduce the space between breasts slash cleavage or will it exaggerate it? So this is a good question and I think a lot of people are concerned about that, rightly so, because the, oh good, look, we've got a question on Instagram, thank God for that. Um, it's a bit worried when I'm getting any questions then, I was going to have to drag these, how many have I got? I've got three more, okay, well. Uh, Sahel, I will come to your question in a sec. Um, will breast implants reduce the space between breasts, slope cleavage, or will it exaggerate it? Well, um, this is something that people worry about quite rightly so, because obviously the 
most cosmetically sensitive area when you're doing a breast uh, implants is the is the cleavage area and so people are really worried about the cleavage area and what i normally say is the distance all being well the distance between your of your cleavage will be the same but it will be enhanced so the angle will be increased so some people have a bit of a gap between their breasts naturally and that gap will remain but if you haven't got much breast tissue that might be flat and it will be enhanced when you when you have breast implants if you if you haven't got much of a gap and your breasts are quite close together then again your breasts will stay close together um, and that that gap will be that that um, shape will be enhanced in the cleavage area so it's difficult so it's difficult to know where this patient's going whether they want it in enlarged or not so um, if some people want the cleavage to be closer together sometimes people say i don't like the, the gap here particularly if you're very slim you've got to be a bit careful because you don't really want to put the implants too far medial to where the breast tissue is so if the breast tissue is here instagram i think seeing this but i think my question's over the top of facebook so let's get the question out so if you if you oh sorry that's the next question um if you if your breast is here you don't want to put the implant too too far that way of it because you'll be able to feel the implant um so you really want to keep the implant hidden by the breast so you want to keep the breast within the within the footprint of the you want to keep the implant within the footprint of the breast uh, so you don't want to you it's difficult to close down a wide cleavage because if you're doing that with implant the worry is you'll be able to see or feel the edges of the implant see some rippling feel the edges that's the concern sometimes people have got an abnormally wide cleavage usually it can be something associated with the tuberous breast deformity um, and so there's always challenging cases so you might have to do something that try and uh, narrow down that space but as a rule the space tends to be about the same uh, as what it was preoptively one thing people worry about when they're having implants is having it abnormally wide as in wider than what they have and this is not what we would hope would happen but it is a risk particularly when the implants are placed under the muscle because when the implants are placed under the muscle the muscle can push the implants laterally and you can get an abnormally wide cleavage i've done a blog post about that google styano wide cleavage god that, that that's conjuring up some images but i did do a blog blog post on wide um cleavage and it is usually when the muscles are, are pushing the implants laterally because when you do the surgery uh, when you put them under muscle there's lots of um, quite big blood vessels perforating blood vessels in that area and sometimes we get a bit worried but there's a bit of bleeding and we don't dissect well enough medially to, to release enough of the muscle and if we don't dissect the muscle enough and you leave too much of the muscle there it can push the implants wide so we need to really make sure and focus on that cleavage area and make sure the space is is made properly in, in that meat cleavage area so that we don't get a wide cleavage so the the, the um, aim usually with a breast implants is to use the same cleavage that you've got the same absolute distance between your breasts but enhance it so to make the angle higher i hope that's answered the question i'm not sure what angle you're coming from is, is you wide they're going to be too large they're too wide or too narrow first thing is to look at you and say look you know this is the distance you've got a bit of a gap there i'll leave that gap because that's usually bone that's usually sternum you don't really want to put implant there because you you'd be able to feel it because it'd be right on top of the bone. 
So we've got some questions on Instagram. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Facebook, have a word with yourselves. Get some questions in. Um, Sahel, hello, Mr. Stiano. What's the scars like for breast reduction? That's a good question. So um, the scars can vary for breast reduction. And part of a breast reduction is a breast lift. That's the first thing to say, because a lot of people will say, I need a lift and a reduction. And you've got to be a bit careful because if you speak to someone who doesn't really, you know, not really sure in the um, billing and in the sort of finance office of the hospitals and you ask for a quote for breast lift and reduction, you could. Uh, we've done this when we, we've spoken to them. You know, if you ask for a quote for a tummy tuck and a breast lift, they'll take the, the price for breast. You know, they take, take, they take the price for one of them and then take make a discount on the second one. There's always a discount for doing multiple procedures because there's economy of doing multiple procedures. But, you know, they'll basically add them together and say, you know, it's thousands of thousands of pounds. So if you ask for a breast reduction with a breast lift, what you don't want them to do is take the price for a breast reduction and then take a price for a breast lift and add them together because then that will be doubling the price, which will be ridiculous. So basically, a breast lift is an integral part of breast reduction. You don't have to ask for it. It's part of it. And the lift aspect is tightening that skin and moving the nipple to a higher position because the nipple's usually at a low position. And in order to move the nipple to a high position, you have to make a scar around the nipple. So the scarring of a breast reduction can vary, but there's always a scar around the nipple because the nipple's always moved. So the minimum scarring you can have is just a scar around the nipple. I guess the minimum scarring would be a crescent lift. Someone was asking me about this the other day. In the clinic, they wanted a crescent lift, which is just basically a half moon. So you just make a scar the top half of the nipple. I think that might move the nipple a little bit. It runs the risk of elongating the nipple and uh, is not certainly not going to do a breast lift. So I would say the minimum scarring, certainly for breast reduction, would be a circum areola all the way around the nipple. And that's the minimum. A lot of people say, I want minimum scarring, please. I want to give you minimum scarring. Every surgeon wants to give you minimum, minimum scarring. If we give you no scarring, goodness knows we would. The problem with minimum scarring is the minimum scarring means less skin's taken out, less of a lift is performed. And so therefore, perhaps less of a result that you're going to get. And for personally, I don't particularly like the, the, the results that you get with a circum areola, so-called Benelli, uh, uh, lift or reduction. You can do a reduction through a circumareolar incision. And I think you're going to get a better result if you have more scarring because more skin can be taken out and uh, you'll get a better result. When you do the circumareolar, you cut out a big donut of skin and you cinch in a big circle to a small circle. So the, the uh, scars often puckered, the breast can lack projection, can sort of flatten off the breast and it doesn't give a great shape. So I don't particularly like it myself, but I think some people do. And so that might be an option. So circumareola is the sort of minimum. And then you've got your circumvertical, which will be around the nipple and then down, straight down, so-called lollipop scar. So that takes the skin around the nipple, but also you can take some skin out in a side to side direction and narrow the breast. Often when you do a breast reduction, the breast is too wide. So that will narrow the breast and uh, give more projection, give it more of a pyramid sort of shape and give, give more projection to the breast because you're tightening that skin at the lower pole. Um, uh, that's your lollipop circumvertical. And then finally, you've got your inverted T or anchor scar. So around the nipple, straight down, and then one in the fold. Uh, and you can have a short T or, or, or a full anchor. I've got to be honest, I like the anchor. I like the, I try and keep the, the, the horizontal scar as short as possible. Um, in terms of the scarring, the most obvious is the one around the nipple and then the vertical. The horizontal one is often 
pretty well hidden and it's not obvious and the horizontal scar will allow you to take out skin in an up down direction as well as the side to side like the vertical scar makes you narrow the breast and, a, and a, the horizontal scar means you can take skin in an up down direction if you don't do the the uh, the uh, horizontal scar in the fold you can end up with too much skin because you've in an up down direction and you can end up with ridges and, and folds which sometimes need to be revised at a later date which would be revising into a um into a horizontal scar and sometimes you can get a dog ear at the bottom of the of the uh, vertical scar and so i often just sort of take out that dog ear and take out a bit of up down skin by making a short tee if i can if there's a lot of skin then it will be a longer tee depending on how much skin there is so round the nipple minimum round the nipple and down uh, is the next one the lollipop or, or circumvertical and then round the nipple down and in the fold is your anchor or inverted t-shaped scar so those are the options for breast reduction more scarring more of a more of a lift and more skins removed but more scarring so um oh what we got here um louise on facebook's asked a question but i think connie was in for louise i don't want any fights don't want any fights but connie i think What's going on? Oh, God, stuff's going on on Instagram. Instagram's going. Um, Connie, then how long can I expect to wait for a surgery date, roughly? I understand it depends, especially now due to COVID. Um, yeah, Connie, I got. To, I meant to tweet this. It's so hard to know what to tweet, isn't it? Did you find that? I find it really hard to know what to tweet. And I, I had a good tweet today. I've been to Spire for the first time in over a year today and I thought in my head I had a picture of the spire sign or something like that oh god as I walked in I thought of doing it and then I thought I'd do it on the way out and then now look at me I'm here and I haven't taken a photo I might tweet it anyway but um anyway the that was just a revision so it wasn't really it wasn't a sort of full list but um Anyway, so I haven't been to Spire or, or um, Park, Parkway or Priory for a year, well, just over a year now. Um, but hopefully things are going to start moving and hopefully things are going to be starting to be done in the NHS more, which will release the pressure on the private hospitals. That's certainly what they're saying at the private hospitals. They're saying that they're going to be doing more private work. Um, we are doing surgery. We have got dates in hospitals at the moment, but they're pretty fairly sporadic and it would probably be oh people ask me also all the time how i'd say a few months what are we now march april may maybe june maybe i'm not sure if you ring the office or email us or something we'd be able to give you an idea but i'm going to say something like june would be our next date i think for major surgery obviously we've got a local anesthetic theater in the clinic so we can do minor procedures sooner than that but it's a few months waiting list just because we're struggling to get lists at the moment connie um i'm not sure if i think enhanced mastopexy was also also i'm going to do that uh enhanced mastopexy i've had a breast reduction slash uplift unfortunately my boobs have no shape or volume now i don't want implants could fat transfer to the breast help very good question enhanced mastopexy um it could help it could help and it is tough because you've got no shape or volume so you want shape and volume I mean, yes, fat transfer will add volume and can, you know, avoid the need for breast implants. No question about it. And I am not, you know, I use a lot of implants. I mainly do breasts. And so I'm 
you know, I do use a lot of implants, so I don't want to be negative about implants. But if someone can avoid having implants, I would say avoid having implants because I totally understand that people don't want to have implants. There's all sorts of risks and complications and things like that that you can have implants. They're very rare, but still they're there. So I totally understand why people don't want to have implants. I don't blame you at all for not wanting to have implants. But in order to add certainly volume to the breast in a predictable way, in my hands, implants is the, still the gold, gold standard. Um, Fat grafting is great, and I love fat grafting, but it is limited as to how much volume you can put in in fat grafting. So it's limiting how much volume you get there. So I'm looking personally, 50 to 100 mils per breast would be would be sort of where I'm at on fat grafting. Um, you know, you never use an implant that small. Your implant's going to be like 200 cc's, 300, 400 cc's. You know, so for that reason, fat grafting is quite subtle, and it's also quite... Um, uh, quite expensive and you might also need to repeat it because because it's only small volumes the other thing in terms of shape so certainly volume it will give you some volume you say you've had a breast reduction uplift I always have clear to patients of what you can what you can expect to achieve in terms of shape when you have a breast reduction stroke uplift and we go through a lot of photographs and I explained that actually, whilst it is quite full to start with, it does settle because it's your natural breast tissue and it's acted on by gravity. And you do get a concavity in the upper pole. When the nipple up, it's a concave shape. Some people say, hold on a minute, I just had a breast lift. I'm going to have, you know. And what they're thinking of is more the sort of shape you get with implants. With implants, you get more fullness in the upper pole of the breast. If you're not using implants and you're using your own tissue, whether that be with breast lift reduction or adding fat graft, you can add fat graft in. Fat graft is natural tissue as well, which is the benefit of it. But also the fact is it's acted on by gravity. It doesn't tend to stay in the upper pole. If you want sustained fullness in the upper pole of your breast, if you want a fuller look sort of from the nipple up, I would say implants are the only way to do it. I'm not saying you should have implants, but I'm just saying I don't know any other way of doing it. So if you don't want implants, I would just accept. Well, I haven't seen what your shape is, but, you know, it's hard to get that fullness up there without implants and i think fat grafting in my hands would just give you a bit more volume so it would give you a bit more volume but not a huge amount of volume but it sounds like you know you don't want more volume because you've had a breast reduction so presumably you know you don't want volume you want shape um so it's a tricky one so it, it, it comes down to being aware of what sort of can, what can be achieved pre-op and that's how something I'll talk about a lot about how you get a happy patient. You have to be clear pre-op, and I try and be clear to everyone having breast lifts and reductions, what sort of shape can be achieved. So I don't get this sort of thing, them saying afterwards, oh, I'm, you know, wanted them fuller, you know, wanted what's happened, the shape's not right. I'm like, well, that's because it's your own tissue and it settles. I mean, it's probably better than pre-op, but um, sometimes people are not happy because they thought it would stay fuller. And whilst it does to start with, it always settles. That's why you've got to look at photos before and afters of people out of a bra for a start off. Don't in a bra, you can push them up and stuff. And you know, sometime after surgery, once they've had a chance to settle, because when you first put down, they're up there, but then they settle. Right, what we got? My private journeys here. We've got some waving going on. Uh, Louise, I haven't forgotten you, girl. I have not forgotten you. <clears throat> why do some surgeons go by BMI and some do not? Thanks. Louise, I'm assuming you're talking about body mass index rather than the BMI healthcare company. Um, BMI is their own priary and draw it which found here. So we're going to go on body mass index. 
And, you know, if it's not, then stop me and say, no, I'm talking about the BMI hospital. So um, body mass index. Yeah, body mass index. OK. Um, OK, a couple of things. First of all, when you're in the NHS, when you're in a or, or maybe when you're sort of in a company or something, you know, you you, you sometimes have um, guidelines or um, what's something that's stricter than guidelines. You know, you have you have. Um, uh, thing, things you have to work within, and sometimes, often BMI is is there with with that. So certainly in the NHS, when I was there, stuff like breast reduction, things like that, you have to have a BMI of twenty five, less than twenty five. So that was quite um, prescriptive. That was like, you know, GP refers someone for a, you know, breast reduction or something. You write back and say, confirm the BMI is less than twenty five, or I won't see them. So they're very sort of um, yeah regulations exactly. They're very. Uh, prescriptive about it and they say right it's got to be that so if you work it may be that i'm not sure about the companies but certainly for the nhs it was like that so that might be um why if you, you know someone's been strict about it um but i think most surgeons are aware of bmi and i think most surgeons will go by bmi and will be you know will um uh, document the bmi we want to know what the bmi is because it is an important marker the problem is, Louise, when you get into this sort of thing, like anything, nothing straightforward. Broadly speaking, the higher BMI, there's two things with BMI. So broadly speaking, the higher the BMI, the more your risk of complications. And there has been studies to show it. Again, when you look into it, there have been studies that to show that it's actually not that important. So there have been studies where people have done stuff on people with high BMIs, you know, where they've looked at, they've done say tummy tucks you classic on people with bmi above 30 bmi below 30 and they've shown some where there's no difference so it's not written in stone but there are also some studies which have suggested the complication rate is higher at a higher bmi and 30 is usually the cutoff that means people do take the studies nothing magical happens at 30 it's just what they take for the studies so you know often you'll be said you know if someone says to me what bmi do i have to be i give them the spiel but if you want a number i say 30 you know because that's where the studies have stopped it. But there's nothing magic about 30. So broadly speaking, BMI less than 30 is, I think, um, ex accepted to be to be where you want to be. But the main, the most important thing, or maybe not the most important thing, but an important thing is you have to be happy and stable with your weight. Yet if you were losing weight, if even if your BMI is less than 30, I would say to you carry on losing weight. Because who cares? You know, it doesn't matter what it's thirty. If you want to have a BMI twenty-eight, get to twenty-eight before having surgery. Because if you lose weight after surgery, especially any of this body contouring stuff, tummy tucks, breast lifts, we're tightening the skin as much as we can. And the reason you need it is because the skin's been stretched because your weight's been higher. So if you then lose weight afterwards, that stretched skin, you might have some redundant skin. So you're going to get a better result if you lose weight first. Similarly. If you're happy and stable with your weight and your BMI is above 30, particularly if you've lost weight. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who've lost a lot of weight. BMI has been 40, you know, and they get it down to 32. What are you going to do? You're going to tell you, look, you've got to get down to 30 and I'm not going to do it. You know, so, you know, particularly people lost a significant amount of weight. They're happy where they are. They don't want to lose any more weight. You know, it'd be false in a way of them to lose the weight. They don't feel comfortable losing the weight. They're happy where they are. You know, I think there is an argument to say that it's okay to do it above 30 personally. Um, 
and I have done surgery on people who've had BMIs above 30. And, you know, you do get complications on PM, people who have BMIs below 30, and you do operate, you can operate on people who have BMI above 30 and have no problems at all. So it's not a written in stone thing, but broadly speaking, it is better to be at a lower weight. But if you're happy and stable with your weight, I would say that's the most important thing. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's easier for for people to have these things to say you've got to have it lower, lower than 30 and stuff. But, you know, yeah, so I think that's why some maybe some surgeons do because they're sort of within an environment where they have to. <clears throat> Could the scarring eventually fade if you had more scarring? Yeah, the scarring always fades, Connie, and especially the scarring for breast reduction I think you're talking about is hidden in the fold, you know, the horizontal scars hidden in the fold. One around the nipple is probably the most obvious one, you know, but uh, but it does all fade. And, you know, with the one around, the, I say around the nipple, bit of a, I went to mistake that, I should have said areola. Nipple's a bit in the middle. But anyway, the one around the areola does fade. And because it's a pink, the areola is usually pink and the skin is, you know, a lighter shade next to it. Then often it sort of swallows up the scar a bit. Um my breasts are better, but they're just a bit flat. Thank you for answering my question. Thank you for asking the question, Enhance. And that's that's you know it may be I'm not I'm not I don't know, but it may be that's you know often I see people who are unhappy, and I'm like that's actually an okay result. You know, it's not a bad result, but I think it's that they in their head thought that it was going to be something different, and they thought they were going to be up there sort of thing, and then they have it done, and they're like. Mm. So I think a lot of it is about expectations for patients. And I think that's where a lot of unhappiness comes in with this sort of surgery, that people are expecting something. And then when they get it, they're not happy. But, you know, the surgeons will all look at it and think, yeah, that's what it always looks like. You know, what do you expect sort of thing? So, I, you know, I think it is important to try and be realistic with patients, show photos, try not to show my best photos, try and show, you know, good photos, not bad ones, but not the best, because I want you to see results that can be achieved. And sometimes people say, well, that's not very good. You know, <laughs> scars a bit red. Well, that, oh, that's a bit droopy. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe when I was younger, I would have tried to sort of gloss over it. Be, yeah, but that's, that's just an early result. It'll be better later on or something like that. But now I'm like, yeah, well, that's what it is. You know, if, you, if, if, if that's not a very good, you know, then don't have it. You know, because it is about expectation of patients. So you don't want to bolster up their expectations and say, no, 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 that's her. You're going to get a great result. She's a bit droopy and she's got a diff different body to you and stuff like that. You know, realistic expectations. You don't want to put people off, but you certainly don't want to be unrealistic. That's what I am on the expectations question. Um, not that there was an expectations question, but I'm going to bring it in, right? Um, that's the chairman's prerogative, right? Yeah. Yes, regulations. Louise getting the comments in. The comments are starting to roll now in Facebook. <laughs> right. Uh, got a question from Sarah Townshend. Townshend? I think you spelled your name wrong, Sarah, haven't you? Anyway. Hi. I've recently been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Not been on any treatment as yet, but methotrexate has been mentioned. Will this stop me from having a tummy tuck with muscle and hernia repair? No. Sarah Townshend. No, it won't. Well, I better check with your surgeon first. Um, but if the surgeon isn't me, no. I mean, methotrexate is an immunosuppressant. So uh, rheumatoid arthritis is an immune, uh, an autoimmune disease, which means your own body um, uh, uh, makes antibodies to to your to your own body and sort of attacks it. So the treatment is often to dampen down that immune response. 
which will help with the arthritis, but it will also delay wound healing. So um, methotrexate and, and immunosuppressants will delay wound healing and will increase your risk of infection. So there are, there's no doubt that uh, if you're on steroids is the other thing. If you're on these sort of immunosuppressant medications, then you are going to increase your risk of wound healing problems and infection. And a tummy tuck uh, is a big op. So I think, you know, you'd have to take it into a mix. It's, a, it's what you call a relative contraindication rather than an absolute contraindication. So obviously an absolute contraindication is where we say, no, I'm not doing it because of, you know, because of something. So I don't think, I don't think we'd say, no, we're not doing it because you're on methotrexate. I think we'd have a discussion with you, discussion with your rheumatologist, because uh, you're not even on methotrexate at the moment. So, you know, you want to get your, your condition maximized and get you in the best place you can be. And then, um, and then it's, it could be, it could be okay, but it to, to go ahead. But certainly if you were on methotrexate or methotrexate was started in sort of perioperative period, you know, soon after surgery, you'd have to be, um, accept that you're going to have a higher risk of complications basically. And sometimes we do operate on people who have, you know, uh, comorbidities, which will increase their risk of getting complications. And if there's nothing we can do about those comorbidities, like diabetes is classic, you know, if there's nothing we can do about those comorbidities. I mean, if there's something we can do about them, fine. If the, you know, diabetologist says, actually, they're a bit labile with their medication, we haven't quite got the right dose of insulin, we've got to get it sorted, and we've just got to, you know, a bit all over the place with their sugars, we were like, okay, well, let's not do surgery yet, let's postpone it until we've got that stable. Once it's stable and optimized with your medical conditions, then we make a judgment and we say, look, you're stable and optimized. Nothing's going to change. Um, we've got to make a judgment. You might have a higher risk, for, certainly for things like diabetes. And if you're on immunosuppressants, you can have a higher risk of complications. What do you think? You'd be like, oh, don't fancy that. I'm like, okay, fine. Or, oh, I hate my, my stomach or whatever. Um, and I'm going to take that risk. And you're like, okay, well, that's fine then too. So like the bmi thing as well you know higher risk with a higher bmi just have to balance it to say to people be open with them look you're going to have a higher risk if you, if you lose weight you know you may well be reducing your risk of complications if you can reduce weight so um you know partnership yeah we're in this together that's what it's about not a fight it's not oh please do my surgery oh no you want me to trek say i'm not doing your surgery oh please you know it's not a fight we both want the best result, you know. So you, you know, we'll, we'll get it, get there together. Yeah. Uh, Louise says, "Thank you so much." There we go. Thank you, Louise, for asking a question. Uh, we've done the space between the cleavage. Pretty sure I remember doing that. That question. <laughs> yeah, enhance it. Yeah, sternum. Definitely remember it. Yeah, it's all coming back to me. Um, I'm looking at getting a piercing hole closed on my upper top lip. Upper top lip, not the lower top lip. It's the upper top lip. And I wanted to contact you to see if this is something you may be able to offer. I have, there's more, I have a, oh, I think, here we go. I have a, oh, it's a tiny hole on my upper lip and it's been about 15 years since I last had anything in it, but I'm very self-conscious now about it. It's interesting. Um, I, my, um, cousin's daughter has got a piercing in her nose that she she said oh you know i don't know you know the hole don't want the hole anymore um to be honest the nose is probably more difficult than the top lip but it's difficult 
it's not as easy as you think because you have to cut out i mean the, the hole will obviously be from outside to inside so there'll be a epithelial it'll be like a skin lined hole from from the outside to the inside so you'd have to core out that hole uh, and then close it and it would leave you with a scar or a mark i mean scars do fade you know i mean the word scar is quite emotive really you know, i think people get a bit um they sort of think oh crikey i don't want a scar scar face you know oh, god terrible you know um but you know it will leave you the mark and the mark will be slightly not much but slightly longer than the the, the, the hole the piercing hole um so again it's about balance and it'll be the other thing it'll be red and obvious to start off with and then it fades it takes months and months to fade and it's about balancing that that against the you know the risks against the benefits depends on how much it bothers you but i've got to be honest i'm i'm always a bit worried about these piercing hole things and um i'm a bit negative about it to be quite honest because you know that i understand why people don't like them but um you've got to be happy with the scar instead and the scar will be like a little line um so you know anything can be done well maybe not anything but these sorts of things can be done and uh, but should it be done you know million dollar question so yeah so um gastric fantastic Sealy, i can help with weight loss so gastric fantastic can help with weight loss um oh well the bmi stuff yeah there you go so gastric fantastic Sealy can help with weight loss if uh, bmi is high good to know um i have scolio this is oh oh god what's happened sorry we've got questions we've got comments on facebook Thank you. Good to know it's still a possibility. Uh, that's good. Uh, Sarah, yeah, right. The H is silent the way, so just pronounced plain old Townsend. Yeah. So it is pronounced, it is spelled correctly then. So I apologize. It's spelled correctly. It is spelled Townsend, uh, but pronounced Townsend. So um, that's not normally how Townsend's spelt though, is it? That's an abnormal spelling of Townsend, I think. Is it? Pete Townsend, is he? Spelt like that. It's a bit like mannering, isn't it? Main main wearing is mannering. But uh, anyway, you'd know. I mean, I'm not a. Don't ask me. I'm Styano, for God's sake. So, you know, yes, Townsend. Okay, good. Sorted that out. Whew. Didn't want to leave that open. Right. Um, I have scoliosis. Can I have breast surgery? If yes, do I need to notify my neurologist? Neurologist for scoliosis. Okay. Um, have you got neurological symptoms then? Okay. Anyway, so scoliosis is a curvature of the spine, and when the spine is curved, the rib cage can be tilted, and when the rib cage is tilted, the, there can be breast asymmetry because of the tilt of the rib cage. One breast is projects more than the other breast, and um, so the bottom line is certainly if you're going to have your scoliosis addressed you should have your scoliosis addressed first because surgically that is or braces or whatever you should have that done first before having breast surgery because we have to we have we'll have to um compensate for the tilt in your we may have to compensate for the tilt in your in your uh, ribcage 
it depends on how much of a tilt you've got. You might not have a significant tilt, but uh, and, and therefore a sort of an apparent asymmetry. So you might have to use different sized implants. So you know there, there are all sorts of issues you can get with people with scoliosis. And if you, if that's the case, if you have got asymmetry and a, and a tilted chest wall, then that will be best getting fixed first before having um, breast surgery. Now, if you don't want to have uh, scoliosis surgery and you're happy with your um, with, with that side of things and you're just under sort of, you know, invest, not investigation, um, just watching, you know, uh, observation. Is that the word? Anyway, yeah, whatever. Observation with the, um, uh, with your, with your specialists, um, then you could consider having breast surgery. Um, it is always best to notify your neurologist or the doctors looking after your scoliosis, and we would also notify them as well and, and write to them to say, look, is there anything that needs to be done before uh, considering surgery? And But there is no reason why you couldn't have breast surgery, I wouldn't have thought. The only thing is, and again, about care for patient selection and care for um, counselling with patients uh, in the consultation, if there is a tilt, uh, particularly if your nipples aren't pointing straight if they've got a bit of a tilt to your rib to your rib cage um, breast implants can accentuate that so if you've got nipples pointing in different directions or pointing one way or the other way uh, implants can accentuate that you can imagine you know you know like a boat that's gone a bit off course you know that carries on going off course it sort of gets more off course that good analogy you know the further it goes it gets yeah so it's like that it's like a boat that's gone off course the uh, implants can accentuate a a, uh, a discrepancy in an angular uh, direction if there is a tilt in the in the rib cage so that's something again we'd have to look at and and just not a lot we can do about it short of fixing the tilt in the rib cage which goes back to having your scoliosis fixed but if you're not going to have that fixed then we might have to accept it and just be aware of it preoperatively and just say look that's going to happen that that might look more your nipples might look more asymmetrical uh if there if there isn't a tilt to the angle um but we could try and sort of balance out the volume so i'm out of questions if you've got any questions you'll be more than welcome to um to answer them if you haven't got any questions that's fine it's not a problem there's no pressure feel bad it's okay um 1944 so you know it's still early night the night is young um but you know we can't really get out there because they get out there and you know the chippy it's about it really um so I will check out in that case, if there's, if there's no more questions, I will check out because I've got an awful lot to do because I'm a busy man, obviously. Um, and if you do have questions, if anything comes to you, then please feel free to just message me on Instagram or on Facebook or on YouTube, actually. Um, we need to get some YouTube videos going on, don't we? Um, Oh, hold on a minute. Off topic of conversation. Oh, look, Nicola. Oh, God. Oh, look at that. It's, it's a teaser. It's a teaser. We don't know what's coming next. Um, so do feel free to message me and I will talk about it next week or I'll message you back or whatever. But Nicola is teasing us with something off topic of conversation. What was the topic? Off topic meaning what? You mean off topic of plastic surgery or off topic of whatever it was like scoliosis and stuff? 
bit worried if it's off topic of plastic surgery. Gonna be in trouble. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's in. The question's in. Panic over. I know everyone's different, but I'm wondering a lot about bruising post augmentation. Yes, everyone is different. What are you wondering about? So some people talk about um, uh, Arnica, and people often ask me about Arnica. Personally, I don't particularly recommend Arnica because it's not normally significant. Now, the fact you're saying that, the fact you're asking the question, leads me to suggest that maybe you have got bruising. Um, but normally, bruising is not significant. Sometimes you get a bit here. Have you got a bit? Have you got a bit of bruising? Have you? Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I mean, bruising is just sort of soft tissue damage, um, and it will get better in time. Here we go. Part three question. Uh, I feel like my bruising is going around in circles. Every time it heals, it then comes back in the same place. Got to be careful in terms of the bra. Um, it seems worse each time. Is the bra fitting well? Is it? You, you want it to be supportive, not compression. A lot of people talk about compression garments and um, compression bras and things, but you don't want to take off the bra and think, oh, goodness sake, I breathe now. So you don't really want to be the, for the bra, bra to be too compressive. Um, heels and then comes back in the same place. Yeah, sounds a bit. Yeah, but it does the bra fit well? Is the bra tight? You know, is it is it supportive? Is it comfortable? Is it like oh, that's a nice bit of support sort of thing? Right, yeah, day and night that's good. Day and night is good for the bra, but you you don't want it to be too tight, basically. Um, and is the bruising related to the bra? Is it like in the area of the bra strap, or is it elsewhere? Is it a, I mean, these the things I'm thinking. Is it associated with um, uh, with swelling? Because that might be an issue. If it is associated with swelling, I probably want to see you. If it's not associated with swelling, now bruising often looks worse before it looks better. You know, it goes into that awful sort of purpley, yellowy, purple colour. So that's not uncommon for bruising to take that sort of natural history. You probably know that. But it's a bit worried that it's coming. Oh, here we go. It's not tight it doesn't leave any marks it feels supportive so the bra's okay so that's okay it's not a bra issue it's in between cleavage and towards my scars yeah so you sometimes get it in there just because it's a bit tight in that space between the cleavage and towards my scars yeah and that leads me to think did i do stuff sometimes i do stuff to the inframemory fold you know that area sometimes if the fold's not level you have to do stuff to the fold to that area so you can get a bit of bruising in that area Bruising in itself is not a worrying sign, and treatment is around symptomatic relief. So if you've got symptoms, then you're looking at helping those symptoms. And uh, as I say, arnica, people talk about arnica, which can come as a tablet or a, or a cream can help. Um, but bruising without sort of significant swelling, and there might be a bit of swelling, certainly there, um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. And maybe I need... if if i do start getting people with a lot of bruising i need to start thinking about you know talking about arnica pre-op because people do you know start starting it immediately post-op because people do talk about it and i do not um say don't take it but you know i don't tell people who don't ask about it to take it so um I was going to ask, okay, yeah, it'd be interesting to know. I mean, it's good to take it. Um, it it'd be interesting to know if it hurt, if it helps. I'm not sure about the evidence about it. Is there evidence with Arnica? I think there might be. I'm not sure. Um, but as I say, it is difficult, and it's always difficult when you get someone who gets bruising because every now and then you get someone who gets quite a lot of bruising, especially with tummy tucks, especially with liposuction and stuff like that. 
you get some with an awful lot of bruising and there's me saying oh i don't really get much bruising and don't you really tell people to use arnica and this person's sitting there thinking hold on a minute look at the state of me you know i'm like well having said i don't get much sometimes people do get some. i'm not saying i don't get i don't i'm not saying i get zero bruising you know and you've just uh, demonstrated that but um you know it's not but normally a big problem. So I don't normally talk about Arnica, but, you know, maybe I should. Thanks for bringing it up. Keep in touch. Drop us emails. Uh, send us photos. Send it to Vicky. You know, keep us posted. We all want to make sure it's all OK. Um, but as I say, in itself, it's not a disastrous thing, bruising. It's just a bit of a nuisance. And, it nor and well, normally it always settles, but it can take a you know, few weeks. Uh, enhanced masturbation. I'm four months post-op reduction lift. I still have no sensation in my nipples. Will it come back? Um, it's often the case that you have alteration in sensation in your nipples following a reduction. And it's unpredictable whether it will come back or not because you have to isolate the nipple and move the nipple as part of the surgery and you can't see the nerves. So you don't know if you kept enough nerves in there or not when you do the surgery, but it's not unusual for it to still have altered sensation or slash no sensation four months post-op. That is not unusual. It's normally about nine to 12 months for it to come back if it's going to come back. So it does take a while for it to come back. Um, so I wouldn't make any long-term decisions until about you know a year. And even then, there's not a huge amount we can do about it to bring it back and it normally what happens is it feels really weird to start with and then either it comes a bit back to life a bit and or you get used to it a bit so this the symptoms get less so it's not quite as bad as as it is early on um and so it's not normally a big problem for people and the bigger the reduction the more um uh, the more of a prospect of alteration in nipple sensation <clears throat> that, that that is the main main uh, determinant, the size reduction as to the alteration in nipple sensation. So Nicola, let us know how you're getting on. Email Vicky, gives us photos, keep in touch. We want to know how you're doing. Um, make sure everything's okay. By all means, uh, go for Arnica. Um, can't go to the shops now, can you? You have to get it off, off the old... Uh, internet but um we want to know about that i'll try and remember to mention this to vicky to give you a call tomorrow and um peace out any other off-topic conversations that wasn't off topic that was actually on topic that was fine will do thank you good um anything on or off topic Actually, mainly on topic. Topic being plastic surgery, not off topic. On top, anything on top. I shouldn't really move, should I? Because that's my audio device is not being. Anyway, on that note, I'm going to check myself out of here. Uh, go and put my feet up. And I suggest you do likewise. Thanks for dropping by. And I will see you same time, same place next Tuesday night. God willing. See you then. Stop the a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you